So welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. Today, my guest comes all the way from Chicago, totally different time zone to me. He's just woken up. I'm about to go to sleep. But that's cool. That's cool on the show. So Christian Bannock, welcome to the show, my friends. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to have this conversation. Now, likewise. So Christian and I were chatting off air about the name of his company, which is Christian Bannock LLC. And he's definitely gone down, same as my business, Tony Morris International, we've gone down the personal brand route. And I, I'm definitely going to tap into that a little bit more about how important personal branding is in sales. But to begin, it'll be really good just to get a flavor of your background. I've done a lot of reading on you, Christian, and you've got a very impressive entrepreneur from your, your days of concert promotion. So just tell tell us a little bit about how you got into the world of sales up to when you set up your own agency. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks so much again for having me on, Tony. Uh, I would say, you know, my first actual sales started even before I got into the concert promotions. I was the kid, you know, in the neighborhood that was cutting lawns uh, of, of all the neighbors, uh, buying and selling baseball cards. So I remember at probably the age 11 or 12, I was creating, you know, flyers on my dot matrix, you know, printer and uh, going yeah. door to door in the neighborhood and handing out flyers for my lawn service. So that's where it, it first started. Uh, I eventually moved on to work at uh, Best Buy, which here in the U United States, I think it's out, out by you as well. Uh, yeah. It was a le consumer electronics store and computers. So I was selling uh, computers there. Um, actually got fired from uh, that job. Uh, I was brought on for holiday sales. Um, and after about two or three months there, uh, they let me go after the holiday season was over. Uh, so I never considered myself uh, a seller. But I think the turning point for me was I ended up going back to Best Buy that summer because I needed some uh, another summer job. The, the lawn service wasn't taking off as well as I, I thought it could. Um, and they hired me back uh, for some summer help. I think they were desperate, to be honest with you. <laughs> and uh, what was different, though, is I really had the time uh, because it was summer. It was a lot slower than in the holiday season. So I really had the time to study. Uh, listen to mm. some of the other sellers and learn like what was working, how to overcome objections. These are things that I never even knew existed, mm. you know, before. Mm. And fast forward uh, to the next holiday season that came up, uh, and I actually led um, the entire Best Buy organization in the selling of what we were calling performance service plans, which were essentially, uh, you know, warranties on the computers that we were selling. Yeah. So, you know, the prior year I was, you know, fired. And then the next year I had gone from the top seller in the organization. So, Love uh, that. so that really was kind of the first beginnings of me becoming a, a seller and and really kind of segued then into the concert promotions business that that I had mentioned. So that uh, was something that I had started in high school and it started off very small. We were renting out banquet halls and actually booking out DJs at uh, at various uh, you know small venues. And uh, it was a great way for me to pay my way through college and, and have fun and meet girls and all of that. And uh, I eventually I graduated college and got a job as a marketing coordinator. Uh, but at the same time, I was doing these promotional events on the side and having a lot of fun and decided after about a year, you know what, I want to go all in on the concert promotions business. So um, quit that job, hired a couple of my friends that were working for me part time. And uh, next thing you know, we had gone from, you know, banquet halls in, in the suburbs of Chicago to massive concert venues and working with artists like Lady Gaga and Pitbull and, and T-Pain. Um, 
so it was a, it was a great transformation and, and along the way got involved with experiential marketing. We were actually approached by an agency that needed some help with some local promotions and they knew we did concerts and there was a good, you know, there was a tie in between the two. Uh, so mm. we helped them out and, and that went over really well. Uh, and then they gave us another opportunity. Uh, the next thing you knew, we we were thinking, wow, this is this is great. We're used to throwing our own concerts where we're putting our own money yeah. on the line um, versus yeah. working with these big corporate companies who are just writing us checks to go out and do uh, these events. So eventually the business really morphed into half concert promotions and then half experiential marketing. Uh, and then, you know, that was buzzing along great until the recession hit. And this was in 2008. Uh, and like a lot of firms that I now advise, we had really grown through word of mouth and referrals. Yeah. Um, you know, I had some sales background, like I mentioned, but it really wasn't a, you know, I sell sales very loosely. Uh, there was not yes. really a great process behind it. So I went out, I hired a sales consultant. Uh, they came in and they, um, you know, kind of gave me the foundations of business development and sales for more like professional services, uh, really gravitated to it, loved it uh, so much that I actually decided to close down my company. It was, you know, it was kind of time for me to move on anyways. Um, yeah. And I had worked then the next 10 years uh, in different agencies, um, marketing agencies, advertising agencies, um, and discovered though, that in particular, the area of sales that I really gravitated to and had, you know, if you will, a superpower was really generating those top of funnel opportunities mm. with these big kind of corporate clients. Uh, and that's mm. where I put a lot of my focus on and, and everybody kind of talks about the close, right. Or, or the pitch, yeah. um, which is great. You know, that's a big rush, but I almost get, I don't almost, I do get a bigger rush from the hunts, you know, the excitement of kind of generating something from nothing is really where, you know, my juices get flowing. So, uh, you know, the whole way, you know, entrepreneur, uh, my entire life, as I uh, shared here, uh, yeah. wanted to do something again. However, I wasn't sure what, when or how. And then the pandemic hit a couple of years back now. And I felt like it was deja vu all over again with what had happened with the recession. The difference here is rather than me needing the consultant to come out and help me, I felt like I was that consultant that could go yeah. out and help others. So that's what I did. I left my high paying uh, job at an agency started this company, Christian Banach, uh, and fast forward to, uh, to today, we've, you know, helped, you know, dozens and dozens of agencies with their growth and are looking forward to continuing down this path. That's amazing. Well, so what year did Christian Banach get, get set up? Um, officially, we started at the end of 2020. Okay, so you're only sort of a, a year and a half, two years in, really, what's been your biggest success so far, would you say? Yeah, our biggest success has really been, you know, we work with uh, different, primarily work with marketing advertising agencies. And, okay. you know, we've been able to help them open up doors at some really, you know, big brands, you know, Heineken, Chipotle, uh, you know, you name it, we've been able to, to, to really, you know, help them break through and, and it's resulted for, for many of our clients into, you know, million dollar type opportunities and, and in Amazing. some cases, wins as well. So amazing. I want to circle back. I've been making copious notes. I want to circle back to a couple of things you said. So when you went back to Best Buy and they took you on desperation or not, you said you went from ultimately a fired employee to a top seller. What going back, what do you remember about how you made that transition? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say when when I was first hired uh, at Best Buy, it was one of these situations where they just needed a warm body to to help yeah. out. It was holiday sales, right? There was really little training um, on product or on on sales, so I was kind of a lost a, a lost person there, right? All I could do yeah. is really read what was on the card that was in front of that computer yeah. and and spit it back. So. There was not a lot of training. And I, the second time I came back, what was really key is really getting to understand the product, um, mm. also understand objections. Uh, that mm. was also very key. Working with some of the other sellers there on, hey, when you hear mm. this, what do you say? And really having an arsenal of um, ways to respond to different objections. But I think those mm. were probably the, the two biggest keys there um, was really on the training side uh, of, the, of the business. And, and I really also began to, once I felt more confident, you know, Ooh. then that was really a, a game changer for myself as well. I think it's such a good point. And so many salespeople I train and coach don't do this, right? I remember my first software job was 21 years ago. And the top telesales guy was a guy called Greg Ajemian, probably still to this day, probably the best cold call I've ever worked with. And I on purpose, sat next to him, and I literally used to write notes every word he said every question i wanted to be better than him it took me about four months and i started to beat his appointment ratio but it took me a good four months of graft and and i did it from modeling myself on him i think it's such a good point that not enough salespeople model themselves on the successful people right i, I just i don't get it and we spoke off air where you were saying you've you've studied some of the greats like tony robbins i said russell brunson and really understood what they've done differently to have insane success. I want to ask you, because you 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 went over about your concert promotion. I think you you phased over it. I think I don't think you appreciate the success you had working with Pitbull or Lady Gaga. These are multi-million dollar artists. What you, what would you say was your biggest lesson you took from having a lifestyle business with a few mates? So making it the $100 million business you created or the $10 million business you created, what, what was your biggest lesson? Yeah, that's a great, uh, a great question. Uh, I think it was definitely a transition to think about. And maybe this is why I glanced it over as well, because we started from nothing. Uh, it was banquet halls. Yeah. It was getting a bunch of friends together and booking DJs for a couple hundred dollars, which had then grown into booking artists that have won Grammys and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars we were, you know, were yeah. paying them in, in fees. Um, and it was, it, it was a mindset shift for me to think about how do you go after the bigger opportunities that not mm. every opportunity is the same. Right. And, yeah. uh, and I think, I could have even done a much better job of that. While yes, we were working with some big artists, we were still doing a lot of little things as well. And I think if I were to yeah. go back and and change something that I did, is that, you know there was definitely an inflection point where we should have been saying no to certain opportunities because yes. it wasn't good for our long term growth. Um, we could have been focusing more on some of the bigger deals and the bigger opportunities, mm. and I think we would have even accelerated even further than what we did. Mm. Uh, but we were, you know, diverting our attention and kind of watering down our efforts because we were chasing everything. You want to work with us? Okay, great. Let let's talk. Um, but we needed to be a little bit more selective and really understand who our ICP was because our ICP yes. changed very much yes. from the beginning to where the end. But um, but I didn't necessarily recognize it at the time. And I think it's so hard, right, as a business owner, turning business away, having the, I guess, courage, but also financially be able to say thank you, but no thank you. 
Um, and I guess maybe by the time you were representing the likes of Lady Gaga, so you probably have built up that wealth where you could turn down the smaller businesses that don't fit your ICP. So I, I totally get that. Um, you said earlier that you get a buzz from really going after the whales, the huge opportunities, and you've almost perfected the top of funnel. Just talk us through that. For my audience who uh, who want to work with some of the bigger organisations, what would you say is your two or three top strategies to try and land those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, I, I think is really taking to heart having a more proactive outbound-based approach. Uh, yeah. And, and I think whether you're a smaller yeah. firm or a, a larger firm, uh, provided that you have a specialized expertise, uh, that's, that's, that's fundamental, right? If you're just doing something very general, it's going to be very hard to break through and work with a big enterprise type organization. Yeah. However, if you have a specialized expertise, um, I think, you know, having a more proactive based approach where you're specifically targeting those individuals and thinking through about what is the problem that you can help them solve. Right. Yeah. And, and if it, that problem is something that you can uniquely solve for them, then you have a good mm. chance of of engaging with those individuals. So it, mm. it's getting clear on, you know, what is that unique ability for yourself? How can you translate it into uh, solving a problem for them? And once you yeah. have that, then it's like, all right, who is experiencing those problems and and coming yeah. up with and building out a list of, of who those potential clients could be. And they can be very big companies provided, again, that you can solve that problem. And then I yeah. think the next real key is, you know, these when you're when you're targeting these bigger organizations, you got to keep in mind, you know, they're getting connected uh, and hit up every which way. They're getting hundreds yeah. of messages, you know, from firms very similar to yours. So we really believe, and this is something that I've learned from, you know, all the years of doing this, is really trying to come at them from a, a point of view of offering them value, right? Um, yeah. So rather than, hey, I'd love to get on your calendar and tell you all about all the great things that I could do, right? It's all about me, 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 what I can do, right? Instead, it's really trying to think about what can you offer them of value? And, and yes. maybe that, so it's really kind of introspectively looking, what is your unique perspective? What if maybe do you have a proprietary process or tools or research that you've done or something unique and different that you can go to them and say, hey, I think you've been experiencing or might be experiencing these types of problems. We've got a yes. really interesting perspective on it that we'd be willing to share with you in a free workshop or uh, an insight session or a free audit or something. Again, you're giving them something, you're giving them some knowledge uh, and you're yeah. using that as a way to open up a door and start a relationship. And and I think that's key also. When you're talking about bigger deals, you're not talking about, there's no one deal closes when you're talking about six and seven yeah. figure type opportunities. You're here yeah. to build a relationship. And I think that is a you know mindset shift that you need to have is like, is how are you going to approach each one of these as a long-term relationship? And I think yeah. one of the best ways is your foot in the doors, again, is to try to give them something of value upfront to just kind of start that off in the right foot. I think it, you're you're so right with the mind shift change because I think so many salespeople are after the short game, the quick wins, but you'll never land a whale with the quick little wins. It's it's the long game where you nurture and develop that opportunity. In your whole career to date, which big win stands out, shoulders, heads and shoulders above all the others? And just talk us through what your proactive strategy was to land them. Mm, yeah. 
Oh, there's been a few, but I would say one of the ones that I'm most proud about is um, this is a few years back. I was actually working at a uh, experiential marketing agency that also did concert promotions, and they were really big in, with the Latin music um, industry here in the United States. And one of the artists that this group represented was Mark Anthony. And I was tasked with selling sponsorships to Mark Anthony's um, tour here in the United States. And we were struggling. Uh, as big of an artist Mark Anthony was, it was, you know, again, what, why would a brand want to sponsor Mark Anthony? And so what I ended up doing then is I took it upon myself. They, this group had worked with Mark Anthony for a number of years, uh, and we had a database of ticket buyers of Mark Anthony. So I created a survey um, uh, on my own and got authorization from my boss, the owner of the company, to send this survey off to all the Mark Anthony uh, ticket purchasers over the last few years. And the questions were really related to what types of products and services these uh, individuals mm. like to, to use. So we got mm. the information back after a few weeks. And what we discovered was that Mark Anthony's um, clientele um, really was women, which we knew probably that already. Um, yeah. However, these women consumed and loved wine way more than we thought that they would. You know, um, most people were thinking, oh, Latin, you know, music, it must be Corona yeah. and tequila, right? That's, you know, yeah. kind of the stereotype. But we found out it was wine. So we took that insight. Um, and I approached um, all the different big wine brands and said, hey, we've done some research, Mark Anthony um, and Constellation Brands um, had a new wine that was coming out and really gravitated towards that insight and thought this would be a great you know, channel for them to expose their wine to Mark Anthony's audience. So they ended up sponsoring mm -hmm. the entire tour, um, as well as uh, doing some other type of work with, with Mark Anthony. Um, but I'm especially proud of that because it was not just getting my foot, you know, in the door and sending a yes. cold call to this, you know, wine company, it was also coming up with and building out the, the data, the reason for why this yes. wine company should want to come up with us. So it was kind of a, a two part uh, thing, uh, two part approach there that ended up breaking us through. I love that. What a clever idea. I would never even thought about doing that. But you're so right. How many salespeople would do that level of research and gain that insight to back up and justify why you're reaching out to this brand to be able to say you're going to be your brand will be in front of thousands of your ideal customer? What was the deal that was done in the end? Did I take it they did sponsor and promote the Mark Anthony concert? Yeah, they did. Yeah, it was um, a little over um, uh, half a million dollars was the was the total deal wow. size. Um, and then, yeah, they they had uh, their, you know, kind of your typical sponsorship with the logos and things on, on the marketing yeah. collateral, as well as on-site activations where they did sampling of the wine and uh, consumer contests where you got to meet, you know, some of the consumers in each market got to meet Mark Anthony backstage before the concert. So well, wow. it was a really uh, a great promotion uh, for for everybody. That's such a clever idea, though, and, and I like what you said of two big points I've taken for that is being really clear on your ICP, but also give value first. What, what are you doing in terms of sharing insights like you did with this wine brand? So you're not just another salesperson pitching. You've gone above and beyond to do that. I think that's very clever. What you said, the first thing you said is about proactive outreach can you get if my audience is sitting there thinking I'm a sales guy or girl, I earn thirty thousand dollars a year. You know, I don't have big budgets, but I don't just want to do a cold call. What advice or ideas have you got for them rather than just pick up the phone and do a cold call? 
Yeah, sure. Well, I don't think you need a big budget. Um, for example, even the wine example I gave you, there was no budget. That was me developing my own survey, spending some time mm. online. Uh, and it was SurveyMonkey. So maybe it was, you know, $20, you know, subscription to SurveyMonkey to, to house that. So part of it is, I think, just being creative um, in, in mm. your thinking and approach. But there are just so mm. many resources and tools that are available these days. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is, you know, such a tremendous resource to, you know, mm. uh, look into specific prospects and understand their backgrounds and, and, and what, you know, what makes them tick. Uh, you know, mm. it sounds basic, but, you know, even just Googling, you know, I just don't. Uh, I, I don't see enough reps taking the time to, to do it. It's just, you know, yeah. I have to make certain number of calls. So they become machines that are just making calls. But, you know, it's not always quantity. It's more quality because what happens when you yes. get somebody on the phone or you send them that email? If it's well-researched, you know, it, you're better off sending 10 well-researched emails in a day yeah. than 100 that are not. And, and same thing with yeah. cold calling. Uh, there's such tremendous, you know, especially if you're talking C-suite, I mean, we're on a podcast today, you know, many C-suite yeah. execs, especially these bigger companies are, are giving uh, podcasts and, and they're on YouTube yeah. talking, spend the time, you know, watch it, listen to it uh, yes. and understand some insights. So then when you approach them, you can say, Hey, I heard you on so-and-so podcast, you know, yes. it really struck me when you said this, which gave me an idea about that. Uh, so yes. it's, it's taking the time to do it. There's just so much content available that people aren't, you know, utilizing, uh, either because they don't know where to start with it, or they're just so programmed and, and just, you know, they become robotic in, in their outreach. No, I think that's really good advice. And you're, you're absolutely right. Survey monkey, it's, it's peanuts in the grand scheme of things, excuse the pun, but, um, and, and therefore, you know, it's, it is about thinking outside the box. I, I think that's the key. Um, I remember I did a campaign for a client. Part of my work, as well as training the sales team, is lead gen. And we did a campaign. We sold. We sent out 500 direct mail letters in green envelopes because that was their brand was green. And we did a handwritten letter in all of them. But inside the envelope, we did a small rubber foot. And the letter said, Dear Christian, now we've got our foot in the door, dot, dot, dot. But it's different, right? Not many people would they just send boring HTML emails that just either go into spam or get deleted, right? It's yep. being about that 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 difference. You you're clearly been a lifelong entrepreneur, right? You're a young guy, but you've you know in your many years of work, you, you've been you've shown entrepreneurism. What would you say has been your best bit of advice that you've personally ever been given? One or two bits of advice. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say this is anything groundbreaking, but it's something that, you know, has has always stuck with me. And it was actually in college. And one of the professors said that, uh, I forget exactly how he put it, but he more or less said that if you just show up to this class, you know, you will probably be able to get a C. Um, if you show up and you do the homework, you know, you're going to get a B. And if you show up, do the homework and study, you're going to get an A. And at first I was like, that just seems so basic. Um, yeah. uh, however, I've really come over the years to, to realize that most people just don't even show up um, yeah. and very little actually put in some work. And, you know, the bar I feel is, is fairly low. So, I, you know, I advise, you know, the teams that work for me and, and the individuals, uh, you know, just show up first and foremost, you know, yeah. you're going to be ahead of so many others that are out there. And if you can show up and put a little bit of effort, you know, it's not, it's not such a wild, crazy idea to be, you know, president's club or, you know, in the 1%, yeah. 
it's really much more achievable, I think, than a lot of people think about. But you have to be willing to show up and put in, yeah. you know, put in the work. Uh, and and I think, you know, you just I just try to take that that mentality into everything, you know, that I do and, and make sure that I that I show up and I and I come prepared. And it, it sounds so basic, doesn't it? But 99% of people don't do the basics properly. And and you're right, having interviewed some of the, the greatest out there, like your good self, it, these key common threads keep coming up that they go above and beyond. They do the basics brilliantly um, and they graft, you know, that they graft till the cows come home. You, you mentioned earlier that you're obviously well-read, you know, read a lot of books. What would you say is your top I'm interested in two types of books, your top sales book, but your best book that you've read for personal development and growth. Yeah, uh, I'll start with the personal development and growth. And, you know, it's a classic. I'm sure those that are in this space have probably read it. But Thinking Grow Rich uh, yes. was uh, by Napoleon Hill was really the first self-help book that I came across. And and it was obviously a classic and, and it's probably over a hundred years old now and, and probably just as true today as it was a hundred years ago. Yeah. But that was really the book that uh, opened me up to personal development. Mm -hmm. And while some of the concepts are still maybe a little dated or I don't agree with everything in there, I think that you know has really, it has the biggest impact to me because it, it really brought me into that world of personal development. And this was, and I, although I had a business that was successful, I wasn't really reading like I do today. Um, yeah, I was yeah. not um, studying and trying to personally develop myself like I am today. So this is maybe about 10, 12 years ago now. Um, but it had such a big impact on me that it's opened me up to so many other opportunities. So I really always have yeah. to say that was a good gateway book for me. Yeah. And, and I recommend it to, you know, to everybody. Uh, so that was, I think, the, the number one uh, book from a personal development side. On the sales side, um, you know, I, I do read a lot of sales books. Um, and, you know, even today, I mean, I have an organization that does sales and I still read them because I'm, you know, it's either a good refresher um, on yeah. things that you may already know. Somebody might have a little bit of a different take on something, which mm. makes you think about something different, or you're able to pull out a new nugget or two. Um, so I still read, I, I know I do come across a lot of sellers that's like, oh, well, I, you know, I know everything, you know, type of mentality. I don't need to, to, yeah. to read and, and I don't agree with that. But if I was to pinpoint one book that I think may, majorly shifted my mindset um, was really, you know, the, the challenger sale um, yes. uh, was, was probably the one that really made me think about, I mean, and you could probably have heard even a little bit earlier if you're familiar with the book about the whole idea of sharing insights. Um, yeah. and really kind of challenging, uh, what the assumptions are and trying to be different. Yeah. And I think that's really where I got, um, trained if you will, uh, in, in that type of mindset. And, and it's really, that book is also geared more towards bigger enterprise level deals, yeah. which, um, came across a part of my career where, where I really needed that. So I, I definitely recommend that, that book as well. Even if you're not selling enterprise deals, yeah. I think if you can bring that rigor and that mentality to even small and mid-sized businesses, oh my gosh, you're you're going to be light years ahead of some of the other sellers out there. I was very lucky. I had the co-author, I think Matt Dixon, Mark, I think it was Matt Dixon on my podcast. Um, I think the two books, the sales books that changed my life definitely was the Challenger sale, but also Spin Selling, Neil Rackham. When I sold software, it was, the first, it was like the Bible they gave you. And I studied it every page. I've, I've even read it recently. I mean, so phenomenal book and they definitely both of those sh had a shift for me 
Um, you mentioned some amazing people that you know that that clearly have inspired inspired you for your journey. If I want to end on this, if there was one quote that that you still rate that that's helped you or that is your go-to quote, what would it be? Ooh, yeah, there's a lot. Um, I actually write uh, every Monday. I have a, a motivational type uh, story that I tell along with a quote. So I'm, I'm really big on to these quotes and, you know, certain times of uh, where I'm at in my life, certain quotes really resonate more with me than with, than with others. Um, but I would say if there's one that has sort of stuck with me, uh, you know, no matter where I'm at, uh, it actually goes back to what we said earlier um, about uh, Neil, or I'm sorry, Napoleon Hill and thinking yes. grow rich. But uh, he says in the book that anything the mind can conceive uh, and believe the mind can achieve. And, yeah. and that was really one that, you know, again, kind of fundamentally shifted my mindset and opened me up to this world of personal development. And, you know, Ooh. whenever I'm maybe feeling some self-doubt, uh, you know, I I go back and remember, you know, that quote, and, and it seems to be able to snap me out of whatever funk I happen to be in. We all have it, don't we? We have that pocket of self-doubt or you know, getting to a negative state. I think that's human, um, but there are absolutely strategies. And, I, and I'm also a big, I love motivational quotes. I, in my office, in our, we have, I've got seven salespeople and they all choose their personal favorite quote. And then we get them printed with my logo on um, as almost a daily reminder for them. And, and because they choose them, I get their buy into it because it's, it's what means something to them. Um, no, no, but look, it's been so great chatting to you. I've, I've taken down loads of notes and I, I appreciate your time. What's the best way for my audience to learn more about you, learn more about your agency and, and reach out to you? Yeah, yeah. I would say the best place is uh, our website. So it's uh, christianbanach.com. Uh, from there, uh, if you want to learn more, we do have a free masterclass that talks more about this whole idea of how to win uh, and get these six and seven figure opportunities is totally free. Uh, I mentioned the newsletter that I put out. That's a free newsletter that also, like I said, has a motivational story and quote that's included uh, with it as well, uh, along with some other new business advice and tips. That's also totally free. Uh, you're also welcome to check me out on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search me Christian Badak uh, on there as well. Um, I answer all my own messages. Happy to connect with anybody uh, in your audience and uh, would love to hear from anyone. No, thank you so much. It's very generous of you. If you're okay, I'll put the link to the free masterclass and free news out to the audience because uh, I personally would love to come along, a read your newsletter, but I want to come to the masterclass. You know, I'm I'm always open to learn. So yeah, if you're okay with that, I want to I'll, I'll get that out when uh, this episode is aired. So Christian, thanks again so much for for your time. I know it's still early morning for you, so make sure you've got coffee and a Red Bull ready for the day. But absolute pleasure speaking to you and, and keep safe. Thank you, Tony. This has been a lot of fun. Likewise. Cheers, my man.